today we're talking about um, it's class is called in community and the purpose of the class uh, being called that is that we want to look at how kind of at the end of all of everything that we've learned there's these two classes this class and the next class um, our focus should be on like everything that we've learned happens um, in a specific way and that's the, our in community class and it's for a specific group of people meaning it's for the world that we're called to live this out and so both of these classes are are really intentional but they're kind of overarching classes so some of the things are i'm not focusing as much on what we learned throughout the year but it's always in reference to that so when i'm talking about living life within community i mean the life that we've been learning about all year that we're called to live um but this really came about and i by looking at the life of jesus um when we look at his life, we see really quickly, really early on that he uh, gathered a community around himself. Now, it wasn't all just him calling people to follow him, though there was that. There was also just that there was people actually wanting to be in, life, in, in relationship with him and asking him if they could be in his community. But that's not unintentional. I think it's just part of the story. We're meant to see that Jesus... Uh, set a community around everything that he was going to do. So when he begins to step into ministry, when he begins to walk into all the things that the Lord has for him, he does that in a community. He doesn't do that alone or by himself. Um, at the same time, it's not like he gave priority to a whole bunch of programs or, or community methods. Um, it was actually just about living life with people that's what his community looked like so we didn't have there was community groups there wasn't bible studies um there wasn't potlucks or it wasn't even talking about his neighbors or, or his neighborhood he was specifically when we talk about community in the life of jesus we're talking about life that with the people that he lived um but it wasn't just the desire of Jesus. We see throughout the New Testament that the church also took up the responsibility of building community and living life with other people. Um, I think it's important for us to ask why Jesus and his people after him in the New Testament make such a priority out of living in community. Why is it that this is so important? I think that it's the reason for this, and I think we see this scripturally, is because it is what he has always known eternally. So the relationship between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is three persons, one God. So this is the model for all Christian unity. It's the model for all Christian love, and it's the model for Christian community, is the Trinity. It's important for us to understand this as the ideal and to understand what exactly the ideal is. But I want today to be brief about this for a couple of reasons. Now, the first reason uh, for our brevity on the ideal is that we've already covered it a little bit. So in our class on love, where we looked at 1 John, um, we, we covered some of the ideal of a Christian community. And we've covered it a few times throughout the year. But my second reason for being brief on what our ideal in Christian community is, is that I think at this time of the year, we need to be 
uh, really clear that we don't live within ideals and that we are our reality doesn't actually look like the ideal that the scripture is pointing us to. So if our reality is so much different and what we're currently in is so much different than the ideal, then sometimes it can be a little unhelpful to constantly just be shoving the ideal in front of you. Of course, we need to see the ideal, but we also need to be very clear about what our actual reality is. So I'm going to take a minute to describe the ideal once again. And by a minute, I mean, it's probably going to be a little bit longer than a minute, but we're only going to do that for a very small fraction of our class is talk about the ideal of Christian community. And then we're going to step into what the reality of our Christian community is. I'm going to ask you guys to share your stories a little bit. Um, and then we're going to talk about Jesus's reality, his real community and what it actually looked like for Jesus to live in community with other people. So some of this, this is going to, whether it sounds uh, familiar totally or not. Um, uh, I, I don't expect you to remember everything I said in all of our classes, um, but um, we're just going to kind of like just go over out of our uh, class on the love of, of God. There was some stuff around communities. I'm going to go over that really briefly now. So God, God is in his nature, a community of love. So 1 John 4, verse 8, and 1 John 4, verse 16, tell us this explicitly. It's not simply an attribute of his nature, but it is the very nature of God. This is actually a fundamental and important distinction. This is telling us that everything that God does is done lovingly. So there is nothing, no discipline, no judgment, no gifts given, no sacrifice, no mercy or grace that is done absent of love because God is love. That also means that all that he does in relation to himself, meaning the relationship between the persons of the, of the Godhead is a relationship of pure and perfect love. So everything that God does for us, to us, in relationship with us, and everything God does within his own community of the Godhead is done in love. So then in John 17, we see that love, uh, that love clearly proclaimed and demonstrated for us through the love of the son for his father. God is perfect and God is love, which means Every way we see the Son speak about, respond to, and relate to the Father is an act of perfect love on display for us. So think of a couple instances in um, that the triune God is acting and um, towards one another. The persons of the triune God are acting towards one another. We look at John 5, verse 19. We see that it says, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. Now, this is actually a real amazing statement of Jesus's servant heartedness. So the servant heartedness of Jesus is an act of love. This self-sacrifice 
is an act of love. That means that within the community of the Godhead, there is perfect love for one another, and there is servant-heartedness or self-sacrifice. Now, about the Holy Spirit, we read in John 16, verse 13, it says, He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Now, again, this is actually another person of the Trinity showing another act of servanthood. Sorry, I got something pop up on my screen. Scared me. I thought I exited out of this by accident on you guys. <laughs> so this, this uh, John 16, 13 is another uh, description of the servant-heartedness of the persons of the Godhead. So we see that the Holy Spirit is now showing that it's not about itself. It's not concerned about being in charge or about leading. It's concerned about serving the mission of Christ. And Christ, we saw, was his primary was not about himself, but was about serving the will of God, the Father. So as a basic outline of community for us, then, what we see, with, see with, within the Godhead as an ideal is that Christian community is meant to be a community built on pure love, and self-sacrifice. That's an ideal of Christian community, pure love and self-sacrifice. So let's just briefly take a look at Christ's community. Before we get to the reality, let's look at what Christ was looking for and, and planning in his community um, in his time on earth. So when Jesus comes into the world, it only makes sense that because his eternal reality has been one where he has been uh, within community, a pure self-sacrificing community, it only makes sense that he would look to establish a community on the earth of like-minded people. People who would want to live self-sacrificially and live out love for one another purely. So if we look at Mark chapter 3, verse 13, we see that Jesus begins to build this type of community. Now, if you read verse 13, you can notice how Jesus makes his decision for these leaders. I'm, I've got a lot of content, so I'm going to let you write down the things and read them later. Um, we won't do a lot of reading of the text itself. But in verse 13, it talks about Jesus having a desire for those he called to himself. So Jesus had a desire for close community. He wanted a closeness of relationship. Again, sorry. That was Mark 3, verse 13. Thank you. Yeah. He wanted a closeness of relationship. And part of that closeness we see in the book of Mark, but also in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 10 tells the same story. If we see in both Gospels that very connected to the closeness of relationship was that they would begin to minister on Christ's behalf and in the same ways that he's been ministering. So the next step in the relationship was that Jesus then sent them out to do his work. So this means that within the community that Jesus was building on the earth, there was a desire for a closeness of relationship. He wanted that pure 
um, loving, self-giving type relationship that he has within the Godhead, but that he also calls them up to minister his mission on the earth, to minister together, to actually join in ministry together. These three things were present in the closest relationships that Jesus had in this life. So just like in John chapter 5, where the son is acting in perfect love with the father, where he does only what he sees the father doing, he now calls those to gather to him, to join with him in union of perfect love, and to do only what they see Jesus doing. That we would be those, like the apostles, that would then go and do what we see Jesus doing. So part of community is to do the mission of Christ on the earth together. Us ministering together, uh, ministering with God and with one another is a part of the ideal of Christian community. I think this is actually part of bearing one another's burdens. It's not in bearing one another's burdens. It's not only about going and helping people that are doing poorly or that are, that are in need, though it is a part of that. It's also about bearing one another's burdens of ministry. That what we're carrying for Christ, we would carry it together. That it wouldn't just be one or the other, but it would be us together flowing and living out the ministry of God on the earth. So the rough sketch that we're given by looking at the Trinity and by looking how Christ is looking to build community on the earth is that living out the ideal of Christian community is to live out as a group of people to live a life of pure self-giving love for one another who together carry on the mission of Christ in the world. Okay, so living a life of pure, self-giving love for one another, who carry, who together carry on the mission of Christ in the world. This is very similar to the uh, ideal of love that's laid out in 1 John. The Apostle John goes on to say that... <laughs> which is a little tough, but he goes on to say that he's not even so sure that you're saved if you don't love like that. He actually calls salvation into question. Can you really be Christ's and not love one another like Christ loved, one, loved you? Now, this, this is, that's a huge statement. And if I'm being honest, if I, if I really take that to heart, if I'm not just teaching it, if I'm not just intellectualizing it, but I take that to heart, that's a scary standard. It's a scary ideal for what community is. Pure love, wholehearted self-sacrifice, and together carrying on the mission of Christ in, in the world. Of course, in some ways we know that's the ideal, but if you actually take that to heart, you really process what that means. It's a scary ideal, especially when the apostle says, yeah, and if you don't live like that, you, we don't totally know if you're saved. <laughs> wow, really? Like that's, that's a big standard. It's for that reason that I think 
lots of times when we talk about the ideal, it can be unhelpful if we only talk about the ideal. It's for that reason I don't want to spend the whole day on it today because it will, will leave us at the end of the year feeling like, how can we do that? Instead, I want to spend, I want, I want to take the end of our year to these, these classes at the end to talk more about what it's actually like to live in this broken world, to live in community with really broken people, and to recognize that we are also severely broken. It's not helpful to end as if, and, and feel like we failed or that we don't know how to move ahead. We should feel our sin and our failure so that we can, it can lead us to repentance, but it's to lead us into repentance so that we can live in life. God's purpose is for us to live into life. God's purpose is for us to live in that sort of community in a way that we would actually be able to flourish. So that's all we're going to talk about with the ideal. Now we're going to get real a little. I have a question. Please. Okay, so this has been something that I've been thinking about for a long time that I've been meaning to ask you. So in regards to um, the ideal um, and living in the broken world, blah, 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 blah. Sorry, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. <laughs> um, how do you, how does that coincide with communion? Hmm. So we are not supposed to go and receive communion unless we have fully repented. And I have a hard time repenting knowing that, well, it's something that I'm like, the sin is going to be repeated, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like we're not perfect people. Yeah. Um, and there's going to be times that I'm not going to serve someone the way that I should. So how, how can you get that through your mind and still receive communion? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's a great question, actually. And I think that the class on community really does tie in. That's a really like um, helpful question because they're really tied together. What you're talking about there is that like, so 1 Corinthians 11 talks about us discerning the body. And so it's, it's actually explicitly talking about the way we function together within community and also discerning Christ's body, meaning our relationship with Christ. That's how people have taken it. So that's why we repent for our sins against God. But it also, it actually calls us into union, the unity and peace between brothers and sisters reconciliation. Mm -hmm. I think that there has to be intention to live differently. I don't think it's real repentance if we're not actually intending to live differently in the end. That does not equate we will live differently and everything will be perfect. But if our intention actually is to live differently, and only you can be honest about that, like that's between you and the Lord in so many ways, but you have to intend to live differently. That's repentance. Right. So if you come, and I think that's where grace comes in in a lot of ways. I actually really love this question because the grace is that um, you can intend to live differently and not necessarily live differently. And God, of course, still has grace on you. 
That being said, if you're continually following, falling into the same sin and you're, and you say you're intending to live differently, but you're just not, I think you have to actually ask yourself, do I actually intend to live differently? Hmm. Do I actually have any intention of making this different in my life? Right. And so there's a difference between addiction like a, uh, and, and actually str struggling with an addiction and your intentions are one thing, but you're actual like you're being driven to other things and just habitual sin. Right. Right. So that's where I think uh, addiction language can be really difficult when we talk about sin because what's not, I don't think they're actually totally the same habitual sins and addiction are not necessarily the same thing. And we've used in the past, we've used addiction language for habitual sin. And I think that's really unhelpful because it makes it seem like you can't really help it. Mm -hmm. And that's not true. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if it's, if it's specifically in relationship to someone else, um, I think that we have to, you're welcome, Joseph. Um, I don't know if everyone's getting those. Oh yeah, to, they're to everyone. Good. Um, <laughs> and now I just realized for the first time, maybe I'm saying things and you're all like, what are you talking about? All the time? <laughs> Um, I think that it's really important that we, um, when we're talking about relationship and in community and kind of to your point, so we can desire for there to be reconciliation with someone or there can, there can be, um, you know, a move in a different way. So if we have a broken relationship with someone, there can be a desire and honest repentance. That doesn't mean it's just going to be like that, that it's going to all change. It takes time. Right right mm -hmm. but so god will judge the heart and that's where like the scripture is talking about judging the heart is really really important because god god will judge the heart he knows your heart he knows if you're serious about it or not so mm -hmm. we can we can have feelings towards seriousness like oh i wish it could be that's not repentance i i wish that relationship could be better i just know it won't be well then you haven't really repented and you're not looking for reconciliation repentance and reconciliation would be i wish it could be better i'm going to make changes so that it can be better and i'm going to per, uh, pursue change with that person i'm going to pursue my own forget my own um repentance i'm going to pursue forgiveness i'm going to pursue all the things we need for full reconciliation that's when you can come to the table and be confident does that make sense yeah but how do you do that in all aspects of your life like if, like, yeah like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Carefully. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think daily repentance is really needed for that reason. Right. No, that's uh, right. I, I once heard a, um, a priest say, and it was the first time I'd ever considered it this way. Um, I'd been repenting daily, but the first time I'd ever considered it was when someone just said, the prayer of repentance right before we receive communion is like a cleanup, meaning you've already been repenting through the week. Mm. If you've been doing no repentance and not feeling bad at all, and then all of a sudden you show up and you repent, that's possible, meaning the Holy Spirit could have moved you in that moment to repentance, but it's also unlikely. If you haven't been repentant at all through the week, it's unlikely that all of a sudden you're just going to be able to repent for it all <laughs> at the end. Mm -hmm. um, daily repentance leads us into a, uh, a life of repentance, meaning mm -hmm. we what I repent for on Monday and what I repent for on Thursday are probably different. 
And so by the time I get to Sunday, I know I've been consistently repenting. And so then when I say the words, um, you know, when you're repenting for things that you also don't even know you've done, when you're praying those prayers, then you can honestly say, I've been consistently repenting and I know there are still sins I don't know about or I'm unsure of, but I do want to repent of those two. Right. That makes sense? Yep. No, that's good. Great. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. So I'd like to hear a couple stories from you guys. Um, we won't spend a ton of time on it, but before we go any further, I want to hear from you. You don't have to, I'm not looking for names or even like an ex, like a specific situation, but I want to know when you hear the ideal of community, what's your reality looked like? Has it looked anything like that? And, and you could say yes, and you could say no. That's both are okay. And you could say at times yes, and at times no. I just want to hear from you some of your experience with community. I'm happy to share. I'm scared to turn on my video because that seems to be when the Wi-Fi cuts out. So I'll just try audio. Um, I think I've come to realize that um, like there are better, um, like closer to the ideal scenarios in community and seasons and communities that like just do things more closer to like what scripture says. Um, yet like without that communion with the lord and like intimacy like i will be perpetually like disappointed by um community and i find it like when i go home to ontario and i come back um i find like i process a lot about community because i feel this like oh man these people in ontario like know me because they know like my past and whatever but like, I don't feel like they know me um, and know like the depths of me. But then I come back here and I'm like, well, no one, like no one here calls me the name I was called for 19 years of my life or like whatever. Right. But I feel so known. So I think, I think the experience, like if you're putting the hope that only the Lord can satisfy in community, like in people, I've, I'm finding that to be like a, a ditch. <laughs> um, but um when yeah when it is in its right place like i think my my current experience of it is like amazing and the best i've ever experienced it's great thank you what were you called for 19 years Oh, Joe, like most people in Ontario call me Joe and like zero people here call me that, which is funny. <laughs> okay, Joe, sounds good. Oh, that's funny.
I was thinking that something wasn't working properly because it was so silent, but that's just because everybody's muted right now. Um, yeah, I think obviously community is, you know, it's going to be quite different in, in reality than, than the ideal. Um, you can see that just by, if, if you look at our own church community and our vision, pursuing God's dream, the glorious church, well, we always say that there is, there's a chasm, right, between what, what the church, oh, that's that hand there, what the church is and, and, and what, what it should be and what it is right now. There's a, there's a chasm between that. We're, we're, trying to, we're trying to make that narrower. Um, best way to, uh, you know, I guess, deal with, with disappointment in community, I think, is to stay with it. Because um, one of uh, one of the tools that the enemy uses is to to get people moving around from from church to church without really committing to any particular church. I always remember the line from uh, uh, from the Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis, which which is uh, basically a story about about two demons talking about how they're going to tempt people. And, and one of the things that this one demon that's mentoring the other one says is that, you know, if you can't church, if you can't cure a person of going to church, the next best thing is to is to get them so that they're they go around to many different churches and become a taster or connoisseur of churches. So you know, I think for for community, the, the way to to make it work is to just stick with it and, and to work through some of the, the problems that are going to result uh, because we are living in an imperfect world. Yeah, that's very good. Thank you, Steve. I think for me, much of my life, I have looked at community as like, where will they meet my needs? Uh, where will I fit in, or, or do I have a place, or don't I have a place? Um, I felt it slip through the last couple of years, um, but I, I'm probably not the only one who thinks that way. Is community gonna? Will they accept me? Do I feel like they have a place? Well, instead of like you've been talking about, um, like to yourself, that's not to yourself, really. Yourself, you're thinking. Okay. Um, yeah. But I, I do see a shift in that. I don't necessarily uh, try not to focus on is it meeting my needs, but it does meet my needs when I'm serving. It's good. I, I think that you're catching on something that isn't necessarily explicitly talked about in this class, but I think we have to, I, I don't want to miss, um, which means I probably should add it to this class, <laughs> is that it actually is through not, it not being about us that we have our needs met. Um, where we are, I mean, we talked about this in the image bearing class, right? That 
we always want to we want to be the most us we want to it to be about us or for us or what is it going to do for us or on the other side we want to be an individual and we want to be all these things and god's just going actually i just made you to look like me and to function like me and when we see those verses that we looked at just now in john of the holy spirit and of jesus that looks like self serve like not self-serving but self-giving that looks like self-sacrifice that looks like how do i make it about everyone else um jesus was making it all about the father the, the, jesus then teaches us that holy spirit's coming to make it all about jesus why would they do that well because they're not actually concerned about what they can receive they know that it's actually life to make life about something at someone else um it's the picture of marriage it's the picture like that's actually what this is supposed to be it's us not making not trying to protect ourselves and make it all about us but to make it all about someone else so that they can be lifted up and that's where we receive life is by doing that um it's really good really 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 good i think a challenge i find and have found for many many years in a similar vein to that is where I've realized that life is found in it being not about me, but that I can engage with that in a way where I still subtly, subconsciously make it about me, where I'm trying to, where I'm like, okay, I've found great community and I'm in great community, but to remain in great community, I have to be everything that everyone needs me to be and love them as well as I possibly can so that I'm safe. Um, and I spent much of my high school years desperately people-pleasing in the midst of being savagely bullied for almost the entirety of high school, which was really sad. Um, and so that then permeated how I approach relationships and how I can tend to approach community as well is that I can come across as someone who is uh, servant-hearted and uh, willing to love others and uh, tireless at work and all sorts of things like this which uh, aren't necessarily wrong in and of themselves but it's if I'm pursuing it for a place of performance to try and still meet my own needs by not thinking about my needs and serving others if i'm still deep down actually trying to fulfill my needs then it becomes a feverish pursuit of performance and that's i'm simultaneously in a place where community is greater than i've ever thought it could be and more beautiful and more free and more real and um more god-filled than i've ever known and at the same time there's still that journeying wrestling with performance and recognizing that that's something I struggle with but not just completely pulling away from community even though I struggle with that side of things but actually I'm going to still commit to being in community but I do need to work in this with the Lord yeah that's good Daniel I I know that that's been I didn't realize how self-centered and prideful I could be by making sure I lived all my life about someone else. 
<laughs> the Lord was just like, oh yeah, you're pretty special. Hey, uh, why do you think that that makes you special? What if nobody knew you did it, including like, if you just gave everything you got and no one ever saw it or ever, no one ever knew and no one ever actually thought you did a good job of it, would you still do it? And then I didn't want to say yes to that. <laughs> at very least, I wanted them to know I did a good job of it, right? They wanted it to be at least, at very least that. But um, yeah, that's, I totally understand. These are, I mean, these are our ditches, right? We're expressing the reality of our own ditches. We're expressing the reality of um, places where others around us have, have um, fallen into these, uh, all of these sorts of things. Because we all have stories where we've been used or we've been treated poorly or whatever else. Um, and so that's actually part of the reality. So let's just maybe let, let's jump into it because I, I could listen to you guys all day, but I want to get through at least a little bit of this. Um, let's look at the reality of Jesus's community. Um, if, if we're being honest, community is actually a place of, uh, that can be a place of great suffering. Um, and the reality of Jesus' community is that it was the place of great suffering. Um, so, what, so yes, we can know that we are in a community with a group of sinners that are more concerned about their own well-being than, uh, than that of, uh, of us or, or of the community around them. Um, and suffering is, is caused by those sorts of actions and those sorts of um, ways of viewing community. Jesus was, Jesus' community was full of people like that, that were concerned with what, what was this gaining them and what was it actually going to do for them and, and were really actually not uh, okay with kind of the way that he went about community in lots of ways. So I'm just going to pull up a, um, a screen here like I did last time. And going to pull up Zoom here. Let's see if that works. Okay, you guys can see that okay? Yes. Thanks, Josie. Um, so let's just, I just want to put, like, pull out a few people that are in Christ's community, the reality of his community. So, uh, if we think about the fact that Christ has a, a large following of people, um, that are, that we wouldn't call even disciples, just followers, they're kind of figuring out who he is. Then there's a large group of people still much smaller than that, but a large group of people that would call them his disciples. Within that, he has a group that he's pulled out for himself. That's the Mark 3 chapter we were talking about. Um, a group of people he's pulled out for himself. Um, and these are the apostles. Within the apostles, we have this guy. Within the apostles, Judas. Now, just think about that for a second. Judas is. Um, one of the ones that God, that Jesus wanted close him. He desired Judas. He wanted to be in a close relationship with him. 
And it was this person, this person that Jesus loved and desired and chose and made a part of an inner circle and an intimate group. It was this person that was the one who handed him over to death. And why? For money. He sold his Lord, his, his rabbi, his teacher. So say Judas didn't, it wasn't totally there yet and didn't think of him as the son of God, as, as God incarnate. His rabbi, his teacher, his close personal friend, he sold for money. And not just sold like into uh, a lesser life, but sold unto death. Next we have Peter. So Peter, again, is one of the ones on the inner circle. And it's this person that denies... Denies ever knowing Jesus. Now, this is not just, it's not just any denial, though. This is actually a denial after the transfiguration. Now, think about that. Peter has seen Christ glorified. He has watched uh, Elijah and Moses show up on his right and his left. He has heard the voice of God speak out over Christ. He has seen the glory of God unfiltered. And he still denies knowing him. He still says, no, it's not me. No, I'm not a part of his life. No, I don't know the man. No, I wasn't ever following him. Peter, like we're talking about Peter here. One of the inner circle. So, so Judas is one of the 12. One of the, the inner circle of the three is Peter. One of the three that literally gets to see and be a part of everything in Jesus' life. He knows Jesus as much as any living person on this earth knows Jesus. And it's him that denies him. Next, if we just think much larger and all the disciples. So yeah, it's a kind of a, a, a step, maybe a, a second tier of closeness in community. But they walked away every time they had an issue with Jesus. Every time Jesus says something they didn't like, that he didn't like, or they didn't like, excuse me, they were just like, I can't do this. I'm out of here. This guy's too tough for me. He's, he's saying crazy things. There was constant places of the disciples leaving because they just couldn't understand him. They couldn't, they couldn't wrap their mind around him. What does that tell you about their relationship with Jesus? If they couldn't wrap their mind around him, and so they just 
took off, obviously they were in it for what they could get. What they could receive was, was of the utmost importance for this. Next we have his own people, his nation, his town, his larger community. Who are these people? These are the people that cry out, crucify him. These are the people that stand in the square and go, nah, he needs to go. We don't want him around anymore. This is the, this is the reality of Jesus's community. These are the people that surrounded Jesus. Talk about community being the source of greatest pain. Think about this being your community. Think about this being the people around you. Because I think that we have to come to terms with the fact that this is actually true. That those who are around us are going to be the places, the people of greatest pain. It is going to be those people that hurt us the most. It is going to be those people that we find the most difficulty with. We are going to have people that know us, that are willing to just turn on us if it benefits them in any way. We are going to have people that know, not just know us a little bit, but like know the deepest parts of us that we've let into the deepest parts of our heart that are going to go, I don't even care about that guy like Peter did to Jesus. That's the reality of our community. But it doesn't mean that just because it's the reality of our community, it doesn't mean that that's where we stay. Of course, it's nothing even remotely close to the ideal, but it is not, but it, but it isn't the final word on community. And before I go too far there, talking about what comes next, I, I want to just take a minute to say, if you look at those descriptions, and if you look at, if you look through your life, a lot of us can say, oh, we've had people in our lives a little bit like a Judas, or a little bit like a Peter, or, or have treated us kind of like the disciples. They didn't, once they were getting to know us a little bit better, they were like, nah, not a big fan. I'm, I'm out of here, I think. We can know people like that. That can be actually part of our story. But what we have to come to terms with is that not only can that be a part of your story, you have to look at that board, at that group of people, and ask the question, where have you been that person in someone else's story? Where have you been a Judas to someone else? Where have you been like Peter?
are there people's stories where, yeah, actually you got to know them a little and you went, nah, not my favorite. I'm not going to pursue that relationship anymore. I'm good on the other side. Have you ever considered what that made them feel like? The pain that could have caused them. Because we, we get really good at, at considering ourselves like Jesus in the story. What we need to be really good at is considering ourselves as the people against Jesus in the story. Because that's actually our reality as in sin, is that we are working against Jesus. So not only are we like that in other people's stories, you realize that we act like Judas towards Jesus. Have you ever treated God like something, someone that could get you something you wanted? You probably acted like Judas then. Have you ever treated the Holy Spirit like, oh, if I just had, I should seek the Lord for that. That would make my life better. As if it's something that could be bought or purchased. Sounds a lot like Judas, actually. Maybe God's shown you a revelation of who he is. He's, he's brought you into a really intimate place and he, you've had these beautiful moments. And then really quickly afterwards, you were willing to just walk away like it wasn't a big deal. It sounds a lot like Peter. So what we have to do in the midst of all of this is that we have to come to terms with the fact that, yes, people are like that to us, but we are like that to others. And we're, we've been like that with God. What I'm saying is, is that it's not everyone else versus you. You're not the victim of all of these other issues. What we actually are is that we're all broken people working to live in community together. This is the case because we are not Christ. Christ was never the broken person that hurt others like that. Remember, Christ is the ideal. He's the one that everything he did was in love. Everything he did was actually to further the community of God's people. But us, we're not perfect humans. So we're building community in a sinful world with sinful be people being sinful people. So when we build community, what has to be at the very center of all of it? Grace. You cannot work on community. You cannot work to build community. You cannot try and live within community if you do not have grace for others. You can't. You're only in the community because God had grace on you. If you don't give it to others, then the scriptures would say, have you really received the grace then? God has grace on us because he loves us. So we also have to grab grace on others in order to truly love them. So this means that having grace at, the, at our center means that it, our community has to have forgiveness and repentance right at its core. It's all the stuff we talked about earlier, Katie. Forgiveness and repentance has to be right at the core of who we are. repenting where we've been wrong and offering forgiveness where others have wronged us. 
Any place we haven't been willing to offer forgiveness is a place of short-sightedness of our own sin. Now, that's a huge statement that needs a lot of nuance, I realize. We've been severely hurt by people, and we may not have done the heinous things to others that have been done to us. I don't mean that. But God makes it really clear that what he's forgiven us of is always more and always worse than what we do to one another. And so we have to be honest about this. We have to live in the reality that we've been forgiven and we've been offered grace. So we must also give grace and give forgiveness. There are depths of good that we can only receive within community. We'll only be able to experience them when we're living in community. And we'll receive those at a heart level. So after class, we have to take time through our week to really um, allow God to heal places of pain, places where our community has been really broken and hurt us and, and we've been in pain since. But we also need to take, take time and allow the Lord to show us where there has been major blessing in our community and take time to thank him for that. It should be a both end. Because I, I promise you, there is both. You have had both in your life in, in regards to community. So we can't ignore the pain, but we also can't ignore all the things we should be thankful for. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to bring up both for us. So if we're going to live actively within community and intentionally we're going to work on building Christ's community, I think it's important for us to know why. Why, do we, why does he ask us to do that? Why should we do that? And I think we need to know why because if we don't, um, if we're to live in the community of God and actively build it, if we don't answer the question of why, if we don't know its purpose, then we'll start to put our own purposes on it. We'll start to give it a definition, give it a, a value ourselves. And, and, and I know that the truth is in my life, in any time where I've been willing to walk away from the community of God, it really has come down to I've misplaced its purpose. I've acted as if I get to say what the purpose and what the um, value of God's community is. I have to receive that from God. God's community is about, has a value that he gets to tell me, not I, I say whether it's valuable or not. I say whether I can be a part of it or not. So in moments where I've been willing to pull away from it, I was making a judgment call on its level of importance. It wasn't meeting my standards. It wasn't, I wasn't getting from it what I needed. And so then I deemed it as not worthy to pursue, which in essence makes community all about me. I've made myself the primary purpose of all Christian community. But the problem is with that is that, well, I mean, there's a lot of problems with that. You can probably hear it right off the bat. The problem is, is that the standard for community is the Godhead. It is the Trinity. It is God. And now I've exchanged myself with God, which is going to be hugely flawed and going to be a very broken process. And so to get around that, we have to establish what is the purpose of community 
according to God. So we saw the ideal of what community should function like, but what's its purpose? What, why are we supposed to function like that? So I'm going to put up um, another screen. And uh, you guys can, sorry, how do I do that again? Oh, yeah. And so then you guys, I'm going to get you guys to talk to me about that. So what would you guys say the purpose of community? So if we're going to, if we're supposed to live up to this ideal or if we're supposed to be building towards this ideal, why? What's the purpose in that? Sorry, can you say that? I can't quite hear you, Polly. I I heard I can only hear bits and pieces. Uh, it, it's all the one and others in scripture. Okay. Can you explain that? I realize I just told you I couldn't hear you, but. <laughs> Well, there's no way that we can fulfill those unless we are loving people. Mm -hmm. um, just all the commandment readings and honoring one another and just 50 of them, I think, or something. Um, we can't do them if we aren't together. Yeah, that's really good. I think that, I think that that's actually a really good answer is, well, God's commanded us to in order that we could fulfill his, his purposes. I, I think that's a great, I, that's actually how I respond to this, these sorts of questions is I go, God's asked us to, he says these things, we need it in order to be able to live it out. So is that what you're saying? Is that my answer? Am I saying that right? Yeah. That's, that's totally part of my answer as well. Anyone else? So, so that's, that is, I think that's a right answer. And I, like I said, I, I, that is how I respond. I think that there can be, we can go steps further than that too. And this is, I don't usually feel like I necessarily need to make these next steps, but I think it's helpful for us in our, in, in our minds to, to continue down the process. So God commands us to do this for one another. Why? So what's the next step in that? Why? That we might actually learn more of his nature through community and through how he loves for us to love one another in that that we would actually learn of the nature of how the trinity loves within itself that's great i think that's beautiful can i ask a follow-up question to that why does he want us to learn that so that we would understand better his love for us and learn to love him better and display that to everyone else okay so that's great that i i think you're i i would agree with you that was an honest question i didn't have an answer i think that that's great i th so then if we can understand that then we can love him 
better and love others better is that is that fair yeah and learn how to receive of that love as well mm, very good because often we don't even know how to receive that love in the first place to be able to then love others great so then if we learn to receive of that love then we can respond by loving him and loving others is that how you'd say it yeah yeah that's great. you know because where it's the passage that talks about loving others as you love yourself yeah how do we learn that we are loved how do we learn to receive love how do we even come close to loving ourselves? it is receiving of that love yeah so we great. Have to first learn to receive that love before we can actually truly love anyone like christ loves yeah. them i like it Just going to make that really clear. New arrows. Sorry, go ahead, Steve, Pauline. Yeah, so it really, it has a um, missional aspect to it. Yeah, that, yeah, great. Great, guys. I'm not sure if this is what you meant by missional aspect or not, but I do think that building on Dan's point, um, that in that reality, like it, that reality can be like a witness to other people people like displayed in community like the community displays god's character to like others so that's also missional or um i guess just reflects the nature of god to the world yeah yeah i think it really does tie in with um with what pauline was saying but i like i like that um I like that language reflects that's a really bad letter sorry great Any others? I think one that um, is potentially can have a missional aspect and can interact with how we learn of his nature is simply that part of how God loves us is he actually longs for us to enjoy the world he's made and to enjoy his creations and enjoy human interaction. And so he, he actually really longs for us to enjoy and have a fulfilling life on this earth. And that, that then in enjoying God and enjoying the people he's made, that then leads into and can tie into the reflection of 
his goodness and learning of his nature, but actually simply the thrill of the father in loving his kids. That's great. Yeah, I think that's bang on. Very good. Uh, to prepare us for the new heaven and new earth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you guys are wonderful. This is just fun. That's so good. that's a good list my goodness uh, what's funny is i didn't have all of those and actually just wrote just to hear from you guys and i just wrote a couple points and i had a few of them but you guys have far surpassed what i have but i would agree with all of these points um this is exactly right i think you're i think you're bang on and so just just take a second though so, so I think this is so huge and so beautiful that uh, what the the purpose of the community of God and living in the community of God and building towards the ideal of the community of God, that's so beautiful and so unbelievable. But now take a second and actually take that in and consider that. Because what we're saying is, in maybe not in its completion, but in some way, we actually can't learn his nature. We can't learn to receive the love of God. We can't learn to love him. We can't actually love him better or love others better. We can't be missional reflecting his nature. We can't, uh, com in its completeness, uh, enjoy and be fulfilled in the world. And we can't be prepared for the new heaven and new earth outside of community ouch that's actually not an easy thing to hear i so again let me say this i think you're right i think you guys have nailed it but that's a little scary that's a lot that rides on what community is meant to be it, it it, in some ways, it makes some sense of why the Apostle John says something so dramatic, like you don't might not even be saved if you're not living with this sort of love within the community, if you don't love your brothers and sisters like this. It makes some sense because this is the salvific order of life. This is part this is this is what it means to be saved is to is to live in these ways, but my goodness. Anyone else? I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I find that quite, that's a big list that we just <laughs> put up on the board. Okay. So let's just, let's, let's keep moving then. <clears throat> So 
going back to the community itself. So we just talked about the purpose. Okay. That's important, really important for us to keep together and to, to hold on to what the purpose is of that community, because it'll, it doesn't, we're not allowed to then just say, ah, it's not a big deal. That's what I just had you guys do. I wanted you guys to say it out because I want you guys to remember and, uh, and for me too, to remember, my goodness, what is the community of God and what is its purpose? It's massive. It's so significant. And if we can't have all of that stuff, at least not in its completeness outside of the community, then of course we have to stay within the community. But that being said, just because that's the case, it doesn't make community easy. Remember, you are asked to live in a broken community as a broken person. And one of the hardest parts about Christian community, and this always or often makes people laugh, but, but one of the hardest parts of a Christian community is that you do not get to choose who is in that community and who is not. You also don't get to choose what part you play in that community. So you might be a leader and everyone else is following, but you also might be a follower and following a bunch of leaders. Maybe you're doing some of both. No matter what it is, we are all called to live in the community with our whole hearts and lives and to be a part of building that community with a group of people that we didn't choose. You don't like who you work with? Go find a new job. Now, you guys all love the, who you work with. That's saying like sign language to some extent. I don't know what that was, but it's, there was like a, <laughs> but there's, this is what I'm saying though, is that you can't, in, in the church, you don't get to choose. When you open it, when you open the doors, the Lord brings people in. And so that makes it hard because we, do, we actually have to then submit ourselves to the Lord's process within that. Now, if we think back to how Jesus taught the 12, like the class on how Jesus taught the 12, we need to consider who we're leading and who's leading us. Because when you're in community, you're going to be in community with a group of people where some are not nearly as ready to live in community, working towards the ideal that we've been talking about, and, and understanding the purposes that we just talked about as you are. There's going to be people that don't think it's a big deal to just not show up for you anymore. You're in need. Ah, sorry, I'm busy. There's going to be people that just go, you know what? I can just go. It doesn't really matter. It's not, no one cares if I'm here or not. People, not everyone's going to get it like you do. Part of your role then is to help them grow in health so that they can become a full, active part of Christ's community with you, helping to build the community with you. This is part of what we do with our kids. We help them grow up into actual functioning members of society with us.
We want them to begin to step out into leading with love, into serving others rather than themselves, into bearing others' burdens and going on Christ's mission with you and the rest of the church rather than always needing to be ministered to and always needing to have the focus. Some people will come in at a very infantile level when it comes to community and they just need, they need a lot. And so because we're self-giving, we'll give a lot. But at some point they will begin to actually give back if, if we've led them, helped them mature <laughs> and not just coddle them. But the relationship within community becomes then two-way. It's instead of it just all being one way, the people that you're leading begin to actually help you and help take care of you. So with Jesus, we see the apostles at the beginning of their time with him. They're called up to be with Jesus. And they begin to be a part of his work. It was a work that they barely understood, that they could not define at all if they were asked. But they desired it, and Jesus blessed them to go out and serve with him. They became builders of Christ's community with him in that moment. So the apostles have already been at the, at the beginning stages to wanting to follow and wanting to be a part, but they were infantile. They didn't get it. And before they get all of it, they begin to actually start building. They still have a lot of work to do. It's a step-by-step -step process along the way. It's not perfect. It's not systematized. It's messy. But we see that even beyond that, there is actually even another step within their relationship with Jesus. And this is, this is really, I think, important for us because we can get this really wrong, especially in our culture. That the disciples first were disciples, and then they were sent ones, meaning they went on mission with Jesus and on his behalf. But then there's another step they take afterwards, and that's where Jesus calls them friends. This means that there are steps of intimacy along the way within community. It also means that the disciples did not begin as friends. They went from having no relationship with Jesus to following him to then putting themselves under his teaching and his leading to then being sent out on his behalf to then later being his friends. Friendship according to the process of discipleship between Jesus and disciples is a deep level of intimacy that Jesus did not get to with all of his disciples. Why is that important? Well, one, because I think that we think that it all should start with friendship. We should be friends, and then we'll decide whether we follow and are we led and are we disciples and all of those sorts of things. That's backwards. It also is important because you're not going to be friends with everybody in your community. Jesus wasn't friends with everyone in his community. That's actually okay. With a group of broken people, this is how Jesus built community. There was a process and there was grace along the way. So when the apostles said stupid things, because they did a lot, Jesus had grace. 
He called them to repentance when there was need. He forgave them when they needed to. It wasn't the perfect picture of the Trinity. But even though it wasn't the perfect, so imagine this, Jesus actually knows, not just in mind, he has experienced perfect community. And yet he is still willing and actively participating in a broken community. Imagine that. Most of us have never experienced perfect community in any form. And yet we check out when community gets a little rough. Jesus knows perfect community and still won't check out of the broken community he's a part of. The creator of the universe entered a broken world with broken people who were functioning in the world with broken hearts. And he knew it would lead to broken relationships. But that didn't stop him. Because he knows he's making all things new. He's in the middle, in the ministry of reconciliation. He's in the ministry of restoration. And this is the ministry we also find ourselves in. So we must live into community like Christ did, pursuing and actively building Christian community, even when it doesn't meet the standard that we know, the ideal that it should be. So you won't be friends with everyone in your community. That's okay. You won't be a leader to everyone in your community. That's okay. You'll have to lead some people in your community. That's okay. We all have ways in which we will lead and we will follow within the community. We all have people that we will be close and friends with and people that we just won't be. That's okay. All that we're asked to do is to continue the process of actively building that community, to be in it, to really give ourselves to it. So it'll look different for us all. But as long as we are moving in the direction that Christ did, we're doing it right. So I thought we could kind of bring our conversation to, to somewhat of a close with a couple different things. And one is to talk about maybe some goals that we could have. Um, to, the idea of what, what should community look like in a really practical way. So we talked about purpose. We talked about an ideal. But what could we do and, the, and what, in what ways could we live that would allow us to, um, yeah, have goals for what community could look like with other people in our lives. Um, so I'm just going to pull up the screen here again. So I want to hear from you guys are what are some goals that we could have for what community could look like for us. And I'm going to just, um, 
I'm going to just start with like a really simple one. So you kind of know roughly the type of idea I have. So our, that our community, if it's a place of love, self-sacrifice, all those, that understanding, it should be a place of belonging. Meaning when someone new shows up, that they could belong, that we would be open-armed enough to help them belong. So those are the sorts of things that I'm talking about. Um, what do you guys think? What are some, some things we could write out of what, uh, what our goals for community could look like? We've talked about a few things already, so it should be gracious and full of grace. Any ideas? A place where people feel safe and where we are willing to see them and to be seen to show up as we are and be willing to see them as they are seen and known okay good so see is are so safe and like open like we should be open with one another yeah being willing to be open and also being open to other people being who they are in all that, that is, even yeah. when it's necessarily comfortable. Yes, great. Um, what can I, what's the word I thought of? Like vulnerable? Vulnerable is a great word. Vulnerable and flexible. Acceptance. Good, there we go, now we're going. Kind of cor correlating with what you're saying, Dan, we need to be honest. Yeah. So it needs to be a giving place, but um, also needs to be a place where people can give of themselves. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Forgiving. Forgiving, yeah. Non judgmental. Supportive. Yeah. 
think I don't know how to sum this up in a word, but maybe committed is the word. Like to be um, like constant and committed to like the long game, like working through stuff and being, yeah, present yeah. regardless of all the other things. Yeah, it's good. Might be. Yeah, it's great. Need to be patient. About um, talking a little bit about in ministry together, it needs to be cooperative. Meaning like we need to like do it together. Yeah, that's good. Oh, here's one in these, this word can have bad connotations within the Christian world, but I think it needs to be evolving um, or organic. I think that we just, our structures and the way that we function need to be responsive and, ref, um, and flexible. That's, that word was already shared uh, in regards to how we, you know, build community and how we do it with the people that we have. It's going to grow as people, as our people grow. It's great, guys. Uh, repentance is missing there, Rob. Yeah. Well, if there's repentance, then there's a to be well, we have not a good example, but if somebody is walking in sin, does there have to be pulling out of sin and telling them? Right. Yeah, no, I, there does have to be that. So it's, um, what's the word we, we need? We need accountability. So I, I, let's let's just leave that up just for a second. And more than taking all of this together, what I want you to do is a lot of these things are just words that we would use to describe very similar things that we've already talked about. I think what you need to do for yourself personally is to take these sorts of things and kind of write out a list and go, okay, if the ideal's up here and we know that it's this pure love, self-sacrifice, on mission together type thing, and we know all these purposes for why we need the community, um, how we do that, like, or what are our goals then? I think that we just need to be explicit about that for ourselves personally. And so uh, our, 
often churches will have goals or values or, or you know, different sorts of things. I'd like you guys to actually take some time this week and just write out some goals you have personally. So maybe some of these things you're really good at. Some of the, maybe you're super supportive or super patient or, or you're a really committed person. You don't go anywhere once you're in. That's great. Don't lose that. Drop that. But I think the other side is to go, where are some of the places I need to add? Where are some new goals I need to, uh, in addition to what I've already been doing? Um, I think it's just really important for us to consider. Uh, it looks like, Josie, you're sending us these screenshots over Slack. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> I keep getting notifications of Josie sent this screenshot as soon as we finish. So that's a good thing. I'm not arguing with that at all. I'm glad you're doing it. <laughs> Considering I saw that you just sent the one that Dan asked for during class last week, you sent it like an hour or two ago. So um, keep it up. That's wonderful. <laughs> Um, so then, okay. So then to bring it to a close, as we grow in maturity, as we, as we commit to actively building and participating within community, maturity will grow. Maturity will grow in ourselves. Maturity will grow in the people around us, which means that goals need reclarified. They, we need to be continually open as the things evolve and change. Um, but there's also going to be problems arise, okay? Now, the problems that arise are all, almost always happen over time. As Steve, as you said, one of the, uh, from Screwtape Letters, that I think, I think that's so clearly true, that the devil can, um, convinces us that if we just get out of the pain or the frustration that we're in with our community and move to a new community that things will be better when the reality is we've lost out on all the grace that the lord wanted to give us by getting through the difficult thing um, and i think that's so true and so i just want to leave you with i'm just going to put a couple um points up on uh, another screen for you and these points are are specifically for you to consider the type of pain that can come over time when you're in community. Um, I think that it, it's helpful if you imagine just for an, a, a quick example, if you imagine the woman that comes in and breaks the perfume over the feet of Jesus, this is a new person, not brand new to their, to the disciples actually, but she's new into an intimate spot like that. She comes into an intimate spot like that where the disciples were usually the only ones present. She does something extravagant for Jesus. And in that moment, the disciples actually respond poorly. And they're frustrated with her and they're frustrated with Jesus because of it. Tension and difficulty arises within the community when new people get added in and things get a little bit messy. That happens for us all. As we get used to one another, as things normalize in our relationships, all of a sudden someone else shows up. Oh, you don't spend as much time with me as you used to. Oh, you're now focused on this other person. Oh, you do all these other things. These are the sorts of things that happen and they're fair to feel. We just have to admit that we feel them and we have to actually do something with them. And so I think there's a couple ways in which we often feel this pain uh, that I'm gonna put up on another screen for us here.
I think that it really comes down to there is inner pain and then there's outer pain. And with inner pain, this is the pain of the heart or the internal soul that happens. There are divisions um, that can be uh, emotional or relational. Now, this is really important. You can be emotionally divided by people and still act like you're not divided. That's still division. Okay, it's a division of the heart. Um, and then there's just um, an unsettledness. Um, type of division. And this often comes from when, as we were talking about, as I just used as an example, the apostles, it's where something new shows up and all of a sudden you feel a little unsettled and you don't feel safe anymore. And you not feeling safe causes you to withdraw. It's not always like you have a pain as in like you're angry or hurt at someone. It's just, I don't actually know what this means anymore. I don't know if this is safe for me. So I'm going to pull myself out. Um, it's a different type of division, but it's still, it has division at its core. Um, and then in outer pain, um, this, this really comes down to some people that might join our community might not actually be safe. So this is where we think of um, addictions or habitual sin uh, that can put um, um, how do I write that? Can put us or others in our community. In physical harm so the reality is is that over time we begin to have people join our community that we don't get to vet like we like we said earlier we don't actually get to say who joins the community or not um, you can think of people with like uh, habitual sins around like sexual perversion this can really come down to like uh, actually I think one of the things that the church didn't do well was protect women against um guys with severe um like macho tendencies that felt like women were objects and treated them as such things like that it actually puts people in physical harm it makes them feel belittled and and bad about themselves and they're treated bad it can often lead to additional um, abuses or or hurts um those sorts of things are like outer pains like they these things are happening in the community and it hurts in a different way also you can think of people like a you know pedophile joins has has actually got saved actually wants to rehabilitate their life but now you have all of a sudden this outer pain in your community that's going how do we function this is hurting this isn't comfortable it's not safe how do we actually function in the midst of this now uh, we actually have to figure that out um, or, or another of just like another example. Or there's something like multiple people within or people within your community are having an affair. Um, there's also in addition to, to that, there's things like um, 
people within in the church join um, forces on a business and the business goes belly up and people lose uh, tons of money. Um, these are all things, I don't know if you guys have all experienced them. These are actually all things that I've experienced within a community before um, and within the church community and not all here, but within a church community. And so it's stuff that you actually have to consider. And so there's inner pain, the stuff that goes on within me and my own heart. And then there's outer pain, which means more like physical in the, in, in the actual physical space of community. And I think that we have to consider these things because um, sometimes these have happened and we need to consider them because we need healing for them. And I think that there is healing for these things. On the other side is that sometimes these things are going to happen and we can't be, um, I don't know if delusional is the right word. We can't be um, apathetic or, or, or um, we can't pretend as if these things won't happen. Um, we have to be honest about the fact that these things are going to happen and do happen all the time within communities. And so we have to take them seriously and we have to actually consider what this means for us in the midst of it. Um, so just in conclusion, when it comes to the community of God, there's a whole bunch that we need to be careful of. And there's much that we need to be aware of. Um, and that's the stuff that we were just talking about. But more than all of that is that we have to remember that this is God's community on the earth. And it is this community that he promises he's going to use to bring about the redemption of the world. So Christ has done it. And then he actually in, empowers us to then walk that out in the world and, and release it to others that are in need. It's a community that he is sanctifying, he's healing, he's stirring, he's loving, he's providing for, and he's leading every step of the way. So we are the Lord's together in community. And everything that he's called us to, that we've looked at in, in, in this um, in this year can't actually be accomplished alone. Being the image and likeness of God is actually not an individual act. It's actually the church that does that together. Functioning in, in love, functioning in, um, in you know, social action in the world, you can't do all those things alone. You must do it within the community because that's where it is able to be walked out. God intended it to be that way. He always intended it to be that way. You need the whole community of God and the community of God needs 